Yeah, but they wouldn't stop and give uh, Captain Spaulding a ride. True. That's very true. No, <laughs> if you see Captain Spaulding on the side of the road, do not pick that. Horror movies have a good tip. If you see somebody in a clown suit, sorry to people who work clowns, like if your car breaks down out there, but please don't give them a ride because hell no. Hell to the yeah, you're gonna have to find another way out, clown people. So sorry. Uber, Lyft, these are my Change out of your costume before you leave. Okay. Horror Movie Survival Guide is a weekly podcast where I, Gorehound Julia Marchesi, delves into my horror movie notebook to corrupt another one of my longtime chums, Terry Gamble, who is hiding in the creepy horror closet. My mission is to learn the gospel of horror movie survival and to incorporate Julia's wealth of wisdom to become a final girl disciple. Join us as we take a deep dive into everything from OG horror to newly released films, but preferably classics on VHS. We'll talk about obscure details that no one else notices. Spin off into alternate casting universes, crush on some dodgy, foxy fellows, and creepy uncles, and arm ourselves with the knowledge necessary to become the final girl. Hey guys, welcome to Horror Movie Survival Guide. I'm Terry and this is Julia. This week we're talking about 2003's House of a Thousand Corpses. And it is is, is it House of a, a Thousand of Corpses or just House of Thousand Corpses? House, House of Thousand. Thousand. There's no uh, it's just House of Thousand Corpses. Yeah, that's what I wrote. Yeah. Okay, I... Uh, the title of this, I mean, the tagline, title of this episode. Hi, good morning, everybody. Grave Wrestler of Fools. And the tagline for this movie is the most shocking tale of carnage ever seen, which I think fits yep. the aesthetic that this movie is going for. So I was like, okay, it sounds like a 70s exploitation kind of title, which is, you know, a shock, lot of shock, horror, horror. Yes. Full on. Uh, so this written was written and directed by Rob Zombie. So this is part of the clown round we are doing because Terry is terrified of clowns and she is facing her fears. Good Y'all, for her. Thank you what? for joining me on this journey. I'm glad I don't have to do this alone because, dear God, I'm so impressed that, that you wanted clowns. to do this. This is really, you know, you're really going out there on a limb and saying, let's fucking do it. I, I, I love that about you. Hey, you know, like you've taken me down this this winding road of, of horror, uh, badness and badassery. And, you know to be an ultimate badass you got you got to you got to watch it all right you got to check it all out mm -hmm. i know we all have kind of our lines and things that like still scare us uh this is one of mine so i'm really glad we're doing this well i this is a film that you all listeners will be surprised that i have had not i had not seen this film this was the first time i watched this movie i'm still shocked by that like i, I feel know. like this would be like something somebody would have dragged you to or that you would have had programmed somewhere or something mm -hmm. like that but um, or no, you would have gone to the premiere. I feel like this is something you would have gone to the premiere for. Like, I did go to the premiere for a Rob Zombie movie, uh, yeah. Three from Hell. I went to that premiere. So that was at the Vista in LA, random. I had the VHS for House of, House of Thousand Corpses in, on my wall for years. And I've just Yeah, that's why it. I thought you watched it. Yeah, no, I Because I think so. I saw it at your house. But I watched okay. my VHS now. So we're all good. Uh, the thing that I had liked about this movie before watching it was that all of the characters are named after Marx Brothers characters, which is just a detail that's so fucking random. And you have Firefly and you have Otis and you have Captain Spaulding and you have, you know, all of the names. Uh, and I was like, I don't know what that is. It doesn't fit. Like you would expect it to be like Craven, Carpenter, you know, Hooper kind of stuff. But no, it's, but it, Firefly, it you know, like, Mark's brothers have nothing to do with this movie at all. It's just so fucking random, but it makes well, me kind of like it. That's like an influence. I mean, like that's fun. Like if you get a choice to like name something and that's like your favorite thing and maybe something else that influences you 
and your work. I mean, these people are chewing the scenery a la Marx Brothers in some of these scenes. Sure. You know, and some of the 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 grand grandiosity of like these like situations that we're about to see and the yuck, yuck, yuck jokes that kind of happen with these. Sure these kills and stuff i think you're you know it's like letting you know hey we think this is funny like maybe right. that's maybe that's the t- little hat not in a head nod hat tilt, yeah i guess um, it gives me a, l- a little bit more insight into rob zombie because like okay you're not just a horror head right you also have watched you classics love film. And, and love film and so and i think that that's one of the things that's very apparent about this film is that that rob zombie we'll talk about you know what we think of him but i think the thing that comes through is that he loves film and that he specifically is you know there's a lot of these interstitial parts of this movie that shot on uh a super eight or 16 it's very old school filmy like clearly filmed in a dark dank basement but just these and they have nothing really to do with the movie there's just kind of these random images well you can tell he's a musician there because i was like these are music videos like yeah. do you know what i mean they're like in the, the those interstitials or just like using those moments for like exposition and stuff like that too of like oh that's what happened that's how we get to the scene and that's like it's a montage if you will right mm-hmm. but it feels like a music video montage that gets us into some of these and propels us into some of these moments um i didn't mind it i like kind of that con- the the stamp, because I was like, oh, I see his style. Do you know what I mean? They're like, these do look like Rob Zombie music videos. Do you know what I mean? They're like, the just like the lead in. It's like, this is like an extended music video, this whole movie, really. Yeah. Um, uh, for his music. So, yeah. So we, we open on uh, Dr. Wolfenstein's Creature Feature Show. We have a great horror host, uh, Greg Gibbs, who is chewing the scenery, like we mentioned. And it's just a fun way to open. We're also on Halloween Eve, and he's, like, doing a movie marathon. So you set your movie on Halloween, and I'm like, I kind of kind of sold me. Yeah, no, because it, it makes sense that, you know, creepy things are happening and people are on the lookout and wanting to be scared. You know, we try to get extra spooky then. And so I like that, too. I think it was really fun. And um, and also we get the creepiest gas station you ever did see. That's a gas station, but it's also a horror museum. Dr. Wolfenstein's spot, you know, not, not Wolfenstein's spot, Captain Spaulding's spot, freak show and fried chicken and gasoline. Yes. Yeah, Monsters and Bad Men Museum, all sorts of anything you could want out in the middle of nowhere. Not creepy in the slightest. Uh, this movie is also set in 1977, we should mention. Yep. Uh, so we get some after hours chit chat at the gas station where Captain Spaulding's kind of like half in and out of his costume and has dropped his shtick. Although he doesn't feel like he ever has a happy clown shtick. It's always just Sid Haig, by the way, is incredible in this movie and probably my favorite part of this film because he's just really having a good time. Uh, and I think he sells this character very well. And and he's somebody who is very intimidating. And so you take somebody who like, you know, his, his face is very distinct and the clown makeup just heightens it and makes it even more in your face. It's grotesque. Yeah, it's it's fantastic and, um, and terrifying. The, yeah. yeah. And he's got like the gross teeth and the, the whole teeth. bit. Yeah, the teeth kills me. The teeth kills me. And then you also know that this is going to be irreverent and shocking right away because they're using like the R word and stuff like that, too. And like some of the content warning on that. And so it's just like, oh, these guys don't give a fuck about anything. Like these people don't care about people. Like and you I get that, that. I think that, you know, Rob Zombie's movies are meant to offend you and meant to make you angry and meant, meant like to hate these people. And, to, and just to really push everybody's buttons, I feel like that's really his intent. So I think when I see a film like that, I kind of get numb to it a little bit. And I'm like, okay, I can see, you know, I see what these people are going for. 
it, it just I'm not going to like I don't know. It's about it, sticking things up butts and whatever. Just like just the language. I was just like, oof, this is already brutal. OK, yeah. now I know exactly what I'm going to be watching. You know what yeah, I mean? Like exactly. it really sets the tone. Uh, so some people come in to rob the gas station and Captain Spaulding ends up killing them real bad. Uh, and then oh, goddamn motherfucker got blood all over my quest clown suit. <laughs> I mean, the lions, he's chewing the scenery like it's he's really fun and mm -hmm. just going for it in this in this moment, too. And these guys try to hold him up and he just gives them literally gives them the middle finger. Like, what are you doing? Like, I give the middle finger to you. Like, F your mama, F your sister, F your grandma, too. And I was like, oh, OK. Okay, mm -hmm. he comes to like he, you don't mess with him. Like, and your mama is so fat, Jam. I feel like Captain Spaulding will kill you. <laughs> yeah, there, I mean, the thing about it is like I feel like this movie is so mean. Like there isn't there there is comedy in it, quote unquote, but it doesn't feel like any sort of levity. It just feels like really mean humor. So I feel like there's this. That's the feeling I get from this movie. Like, it just feels mean to me. And there's something that I kind of appreciate about that because I'm like, okay, you're, this is how hard you want to go in your horror because that's what Rob Zombie's into. But I, I, I don't know. Do you feel like that? Well, I think it's interesting because it's like these guys, I think um, there's something to be said for underestimating people. And these like like robbers were really like stupid about how how they came in to rob this place. Right. Sure. And so thinking that they can take over these yokels or people making fun of like the quote unquote redneck kind of lifestyle or whatever. Do you know what I mean? They're like, I think that's kind of the statement I get from it is like, hey, you may think like this one thing about us, but we are the toughest people you'll ever meet. Sure. And it's like them like standing up for themselves. So I don't know, like with the overarching thing, that's what I was just thinking about it. Yeah. So I didn't think it was like necessarily about being mean, more so just like, hey, your ability to underestimate people is like your de your detriment to right. you. So yeah, I think you just it, I think that's the overall message to me is like, don't underestimate people because or your over curiosity or your assumptions about things um, can kill you. Sure, because I mean, we have our, our, our foursome of the wholesome kids who are going to come in and discover that this is a house of horrors. And, you know, it's that thing where. I don't, I, you know, I, I think you're supposed to kind of like identify with those kids. Like you would come in and be like, oh, this is cool. This is awesome. And like, we're doing this book and a road trip. And to me, that all sounds very fun. And the, but, you know, you're supposed to hate them because they're, I don't feel like they ever make fun of them. Like they're they very, genu they're genuine in their curiosity. Like, I don't feel yeah, like but their curiosity them. feels like, no, nah, their curiosity feels like they're, they're doing that thing where you go in and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm a tourist in this place. It's that very American thing. I just, it reminds me of when we went to England, Julia, and we were like, oh my God, we're so American in this room. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean though? We're like, you could feel it where it's like, we're always like anthropologists everywhere we go. And I think whether that's just part of the human spirit or just like very like American mm -hmm. or very, you know, like of that anthropologizing anthropologically uh looking at other cultures or subcultures quote unquote in our in our own um hemisphere mm -hmm. i think there is that othering i just I, from my eyes i don't know I, I know this is from 2003 but just from my lenses right now just looking at like the last few years in america this just seems very indicative of the undercurrent and anger mm -hmm. within like you know, the the middle America culture of America, right. feeling that that's how they think the elites of the West treat them. Right. I'm going to go write this story about these fun little Southerners or like these little rednecks in this weird like town and this weird stuff. We've mm -hmm. also got the backdrop, though, too, of the Manson murders happening and like all this stuff as well. So it's like, I don't know, it's just an indictment on um on cult and culture, maybe. 
Mm -hmm. So they end up having a, uh, they go through and there's a murder, there's a murder train, there's murder ride. They want to go on the murder ride. I mean, honestly, I would kind of want to go go on the murder ride too. I would go on the murder ride for sure. Uh, So he's, uh, he says that there is, so they have like little vignettes and he's going through all the most famous murderers. So we have the Albert Fish. And they're being manually pushed though, you guys. It's not like the ride isn't like automated. It's like they're being manually pushed by a very giant man who's (laughs) helping push them in like this doom buggy through this murder ride. Uh, we have Lizzie, Lizzie Borden, we have Ed Gein, uh, and then we have S. Quentin Quayle, who was a.k.a. Dr. Satan, Dr. Satan, who was a master surgeon at the Weep and Williams Mental Institution and was trying to create a master race from the mentally ill. Uh, and he was hanged, but his body went missing. So this is the local serial killer that they, they're famous for. And yep. there's this famous tree that he was hanged at that now the boys are kind of interested in going to find. Yeah, they got to go find that Satan tree. So they, um, one I of them was- gets really, really fascinated. Jerry is like, I got to find this tree. And like the other ones are like not as excited about this. The girls are not at all, but he really wants to see it. Uh, and I, I was very surprised. I didn't know that Rain Wilson or Chris, Hard- Chris Hardwick was in this movie. And I was very perplexed by both of them. I think Rain Wilson doesn't, I, I was just confused. I was like, I don't, okay, this is fine. They were both fine. Chris Hardwick's a very confusing man. I don't understand why he's in this movie, but I, I don't I think he's, I think he's serviceable. I think he's adequate. Yeah, he's he's the one who's the overly obsessed guy. And I think that checks out in his real life. Um, ah, he's like mm. a, a nerd, you know, nerd culture and like obsessed, overly obsessed about certain things. So I think that that totally checks out for these guys. Um, and but we also find out during this time, too, that there's some missing cheerleaders um, and the other kids have been missing, feeling very dairy right now, like missing people, mm-hmm. like, like racking up. Um, and so um they're looking at the missing people info um, and asking about hitchhikers. And so cops are kind of like circling this as well. So we've got a circle of cops kind of circling the space, um, kind of following this trail, look for these cheerleaders. And we've got these kids looking for Dr. Satan um, mm-hmm. circling this place. And so they're all being kind of drawn to the same out in the boonies spot. So the kids decided to take this trip out through the the woods as they insist on getting a map from Captain Spaulding to go to the hanging tree. Yes. Uh, while they're there, on the way there, they see a pretty girl hitchhiking and decide to pick her up because it's 1977. And it's uh, raining. And it's raining. This ends up, it turns out to be Baby Firefly, who was played by Sherry Moon Zombie, who, stunning, we could admit, absolutely stunning. Uh, but also, I really enjoy the glee that what she's going for. She's really, like, gets this character and I think that it's really fun to watch her just like she seemed. I mean, it makes sense that she married Rob Zombie because I'm like, if you're this into what he's doing, it's match made in heaven for sure. And she is firing on all cylinders with the creepiest little horror little laugh that ever did horror laugh. <laughs> you're like, oh, God, oh, God, she's way too excited. Oh, hi, guys. You know, just like, ooh, she's just wheeling them in her little. She's the honey trap. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and she's she's luring them in. Um, all of a sudden they're driving out to this spot um, to drive her home. But they have a tire that blows uh, unbeknownst to them and uh, they get stuck out there. So they got to, you know, figure out how to how to make it happen. Well, she's like, well, we're almost to my house. We can go there and get my brother and he can he can get you all set up. Mm-hmm. So uh, um, they decide, you know, um, to, to go and, uh, and, and and do that while while the girls while they wait in the car. Yes, splitting up is always a fantastic idea. Horror movie survivor guide tip: please uh, don't split up. Splitting up is dumb. 
please don't do it. Stay together. Yeah, it's a bad move. Um, and so then we cut to um, one of our other members of the insane family, uh, another person firing on all cylinders in this movie, Bill Mosley as Otis, who this character is so interesting and he's just really into it like just watching him ramble and he i mean because i think it's interesting how all every member of the family is terrifying in their own unique way that each one of them like i don't know who's the most fucked up in this family i can't really tell they're all so twisted yeah it's the ultimate cult like where they're all kind of giving us cult leader energy right do you know what i mean they're like in their own ways like obviously there's clearly one that's is leading most but they all um have a purpose and are very um, committed to their convictions and to this nefarious uh, endeavor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they end up at the house. Like, I just keep saying Dwight. I'm sorry. It's Rain Wilson, I know. And he's just Dwight to me. And he's very Dwight in this moment. But he ends up on the porch with Baby. And um, there's, like, all these creepy dolls hanging out. And I was like, oh, no. Creepy doll. Creepy dolls. So bad. Shout out, shout out to our old producer, Adam. Back in the day, his wife, Carol, had a creepy doll room. Not like, <laughs> not like this, but, like, she had a lot of dolls. <laughs> yeah, this house, this house is not does not look good in any in any way and it's that you know the kind of thing with the kids like okay because so when's it going to be done when are you coming out like when are you going to fix it because they really really want to leave uh and denise uh one of the the girl's dad has been waiting for them and they had called them at the gas station to say they're going to be late so we know as the audience that there's somebody waiting for them when they when they don't show up yeah so we have all of the kidnapped cheerleaders are there at the house and uh, some of them are in, they're in various states of being killed or has been dismemberment. Killed or, yes. All sorts of uh, disgustingness. Uh, and uh, Karen Black shows up as, as our lovely mother firefly. Thank freaking goodness. Oh my God. I love her. Could watch her do anything. What a, what a woman. She's so unique. She really is. And she's such a, She's so intriguing and kind of confusing. And I like that about her performances that she's like, there's so much going on. Like, I'm not, you're just kind of enigmatic. Well, also just like a 70s icon being in something set in 1977. Yes. Also chef's kiss. I was like, yes, this is, is if this was made for rule in 1977, she would also be cast in this. Yes. You know, know, but I also, I think, you know, Rob Zombie's done that with a couple of films. I know Ken Foray was one one of his movies and you have, uh, you know, so he's bringing back these horror icons, which I think is really cool. I think, you know, it's his appreciation for the genre is definitely on display. Uh, so there is no phone at the house, so can't call anybody. That's off the list. Uh, and then we have this dinner scene. So, uh, Terry, I know you haven't seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but this movie is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, it's clearly, indiv- yeah, it's totally indicative. I, I got that straight up, especially with like the Ed Gein reference at the beginning and all yeah. that stuff too. Like I've done my homework. I feel like I know so much about it okay. that probably by the time I see it, I'm going to be like, okay. Yes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I've seen this. Yes. But this is the originator. You understand that. Yeah. So, you know, this movie takes, I'm, I'm okay if you take an idea and kind of twist it in your own direction. And I think this movie does this enough to make it okay. But it's so Texas Jones Massacre heavy that it's like, okay, yes, yes, yes. We see, we see, we know that you like this movie. Um, but he does put his own spin on it and makes it in his own way. So I think, you know, having this kind of, you know, because the, so many people in, in, the, in the family in Texas Chains are, are so insane that they can't really have a conversation. Like Leatherface doesn't talk at all. So this is something where we have Tiny in the, mm-hmm. in the kind of quasi Leatherface mode where he is the, this is Matthew McGorry who is just amazing. Yeah, 
Um, so we find out that uh, th his dad tried to burn down the house earlier and hey, Tiny was badly burned. And so his ears are also fucked up because he can't hear very well. Uh, I know. So sad. Mm -hmm. So sad. But such a like sweet little performance from this time, this giant, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and um, I feel like he's the only one I feel like I'm just like, oh, I feel like he probably if he could have gotten away, he would get away. You know what I mean, though, out of like out of this out of this house of horrible people. Yeah. He's the only one who has any small sense of like decency or humanity in him or just, like, yep. a small amount of kindness. And I feel like everybody else doesn't have that at all. Uh, we also meet Grandpa, who is just disgusting, repulsive, just food hanging out of his mouth every time he talks. Like, well done for making him gross because, man, he's he's pretty fucking gross. Uh, so now we have a terrible uh, we have a Showtime interstitial, I would like to say, which is very yes, delightful. Yes, I and, love a little show number, a little song and dance. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the movie's better with the dance number. Yes. How about if Grandpa comes out to do his terrible stand-up where he's just screaming into the microphone. And just eviscerating. He's just like a, an insult comic, like literally um, just insulting people left and right and, and mm -hmm. just like full insults. Uh, um, and after that, we get baby doing, you know, uh, a, a, a beautiful number. <laughs> uh -huh. See, you got to have a dance number. This is what I'm saying, Terry. Yep. Uh, yes. And uh, but then when baby comes and gets a little bit too close to Jerry, she shoves him, shoves baby off of his lap. And now you're like, ooh, shouldn't have done that. Yeah, <laughs> the girls are not happy. And so Denise is like very much she's angered, angered little baby or whatever. And like, it's not going to go well for them um from here on out because it's like uh oh you were playing the game you right. were playing nice you were like hey you riding your time waiting for your car but i think this is the point where they know the car's not coming yeah but then they tell them like oh the car's done come on out everything's fine but this is where the trap is set and everybody is now kind of kidnapped and lured into the house just in time for halloween which is everybody's favorite holiday in the firefly house and they always have a big celebration as you should so the dad calls a uh, Denise's dad calls the police because they haven't arrived and they should have arrived hours ago. Um, and we find out uh, Denise waking up in the house tied up with a dunce cap on. You go okay, interesting. Um, Bill is tied to a big X and is looking worse for wear, not looking too good. Not he's at been all fucked up. Uh, but he's about to get more fucked up. <laughs> oh, it's about to get way worse. Sorry. Oh, God. Sorry. Oh, man. Filet um, of fish Fridays. Yeah. Okay, sorry. So there's like a torture <laughs> sequence set to uh, Brick House. Yeah. Pretty great. I love, I like, that's a fun little juxtaposition moment if you're going to get a little music and a little dance, right? Yeah. Ow. Any song that goes, ow, I'm here for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh then we uh yes bill is turned into a fish boy they yeah he's turned into they turned him to like a fish fillet like a platter of like fish like the bottom half of him so he's like a merman fish boy mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. top half still dwight bottom I, half all fish i gotta tell you i did not expect that that was a surprise i said oh okay creative very. I did not expect him to be on a platter. And so it looks like they've already eaten the bottom of it. So you get that this Dr. Satan is not just like uh, like they not just make an overthink. Like they literally are making new crazy creations out of stuff. It's like a um, Dr. Moreau kind of thing, right? Yes. He's got he wants to mod the people. So some people mm -hmm. kind of are still stuck alive and modded. And right. some people don't make it through the modification process and they end up being eaten. 
Right? But we, we learn early in the morning when, we go, when we're going through the murder train that uh, Dr. Satan's idea is to make a master race, right? And so I don't, I'm not really clear on what master race he's trying to make if he's turning people into mermen. I don't know if that's the master race. I'd never thought about it. I doubt it. But, you know. I think he just wanted to eat like eat him. I think they just made him a meal. I think they just ate the bottom yeah, half well, of they, him, right? He's got his, yeah, he's got a whole bottom half to, to, to munch on. Yeah. Uh, so the police show up to Captain Spaulding's place. When, while he is wearing a pigs is beautiful shirt, which is a nice touch. And oink, he, oink, pigs, pigs. Yeah. Uh, but the cops question Spalding a lot. And he's like, you know what? The kids were asking about Dr. Satan. Like they were just, you know, real nosy. Like I sent them out there to the thing. It's like it's a fun little goose chase for them, you know, like let let them go figure that stuff out. He plays it off really, you know, as much as like I think I think it is not a bad job. I was like, all right. So the cops asked for the exact same map like idiots. Uh, without getting back up and just go, decide to go out there to follow this trail um, out to Dr. Satan, which is their demise. Um, but they've also checked in with Denise's dad, who's like also used to be a cop, I guess, too, and like is connected. And so um, Don Willis, the, you know, he gets out there and he's uh, he's 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 making some calls and, and trying and trying to figure out some stuff, too. So uh, they're hot on the trail. They he's, are. And they find the car. The cops yeah. find the car. And they also find one of the cheerleaders uh, in the back of the car, too. Yes, they do. Uh, and we have uh, Mary is tied up in clown makeup and little girl clothes. Uh, and so Tiny brings her, comes in and brings her Agatha Krispies. <laughs> Agatha Krispies. I love this scene. And, she, and he's like, like offers her the food. And she's like, no, I'd rather like die. Like, help me get out of here. He's like, OK. So he kind of lets her get out, like thinking she's going to get away. But. She's That's not going to get trap. very far. It mm -hmm. is definitely part of the trap. No. Um, and so Otis ends up putting her in a cage. Uh, this is Denise, I'm sorry. And uh, a, a bunch of ladies jump on her. I'm like, who, who are those ladies? How many people are? I mean, I know this is House of Thousand Corpses. I get it. But how many people are, are in this house? At least a thousand corpses. So right. there could be, you know, I don't know how many people are alive, but a lot right. of people seem to keep popping out. You are right. Um, and I couldn't tell if they were like some of them were the cheerleaders or some of them were some other people they've tried to kill before. It the bodies like are just racking up a bunch. It seems like right? there was like, I don't know, 12, 12 people in that cage or something. I'm like, ooh, are there just how far is how big is this house? How many people do you have in cages? Are they just waiting for how dinner? How big is the labyrinth? Yeah, they all are. So they're hungry. So they're going to eat people when they get thrown in there, too. So um, and, you know, they're, you know, she's yelling like there's no mercy shown in this house. Like there's no mercy here. Like she's just trying to find any type of. Um, you know, um, anything, but nope. So um, once the cops have found the body and Mr. Willis arrives because he hears about that um, and he sees them find the cheerleader as well. And, and they, they they know they're in deeper than they thought they thought. And uh, they get further in there and they realize this is looking a lot like hell. This is really bad. The cops make it out to the house. Um, and so they decide, of course, to split up and they send one of the officers um, up to the front and the other couple of guys go to the round at the back and they find this room full of shoes it's not a good look to find a room full of a bunch of just mismatched looking shoes uh -uh. from probably all the bodies uh -huh. right it reminds so, me a little bit of uh frontiers as well where they had like the souvenirs from everybody that had stayed there as well 
It's definitely giving me that kind of vibe of a crazy fam- family out in the middle of nowhere with a fucked up house. Mm-hmm. Um, so Officer Wydell pushes his way into the front of the house, like up front with our, our Karen Black uh, uh, luring him in. Um, and she's actually trying to keep him out. But he's like, no, no, I insist on coming in. She's like, well, your funeral kind of thing. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. come on in. And it really is about to be his funeral because yep. he thinks he's talking to a sweet uh, Southern lady and thinks that she's harmless. But she is about ready to blow his brains out through the neck. Yeah, very true. And uh, Otis also shoots uh, Mr. Willis, who shouldn't have been there anyway. Like, how did he even get? I mean, it's implausible he would be there, but, you know, more body count. I totally get it. Trying to get his daughter and he had a connection. That's what happens if you're overly connected sometimes. But we have this, I think, this great moment where we have uh, one of the deputies who's Walter Goggins, who's always stupendous, uh, this moment where he everybody else has been shot and he really doesn't want to be shot and he's on his knees and he's dropped his gun and he's trying to. And there's just the longest moment. So it's like a freeze long. frame. And it's, it's like, great. you it know, everything. Huh? It just keeps going. And you're like, yeah. oh. Is he gonna not? And then just shoots him. But like the the amount of time, and I, I bet you that Rob Zombie had to fight for that shot, and it was like, no, no, we're gonna keep it. It's gonna be this long. And you go, okay, good for you. I think it's great because you almost need that reprieve because it has been like fast, fast, fast right before because it was just like you thought they were gonna get away. Shot in the back, Willis. You know what I mean? Though the other guy shot in the neck, and this guy's like, a, you know, he's one, two, three. You know what I mean? Though, like it's the bump, bump. Um, yeah. And I love this cut next. We go to Red Hot Pussy Liquors. Yes, we do. (laughs) And we got to go get some holy water, you know. Uh, So basically a bunch of bottles of booze and things like that. So um, they go to this shop and um, they talk to this guy who's running the shop and his name is Goober, but his name is actually G. Ober. But one of his coworkers had messed it up. Anyway, he's got a little name tag. So he's a real Goober working at the shop. Uh, such a, it's, it's, that scene is such a I mean I appreciate that they're going to Red Hot Pussy Liquors but the scene is such a weird like it doesn't have anything to do with the rest of the plot really it's just like we're going to go get boozed up just, like, they wanted to go to a place called Red Hot Pussy Liquors yeah, I think they that's just it needed that. and you know that, that's fine so Otis has been uh, dancing around in his uh, skin suit wearing people's faces as you do and our uh, foursome who are now tied or some are threesome uh, Denise, Mary and Jerry who are still alive even though Baby had scalped Jerry earlier earlier for not knowing her favorite actress which is uh betty davis so they have them in bunny suits which i really appreciate and you know we do get this run rabbit run thing which we had seen in get out previously yeah i thought about that too i was like oh run rabbit run i was like okay but it's halloween so they're putting them in a costume i understand and also just kind of fun and now it's at a furry moment yeah at a furry moment who doesn't love it uh the boogeyman is real and you found him they say you go okay this is this is how we are so they make jerry and uh one of the girls get into a coffin and lower them down and they're just gonna leave them there forever and this is this whole sequence is so disturbing because after otis had tried to like make out with like denise with her dad's face on his face yeah like just like the weird like incestual like kind of moment that like just it was just so off-putting and then these guys are in a freaking coffin Mm -hmm. lowered into like this gray but it's not like a real coffin it's like not with a cover on top and then all of a sudden a bunch of freaking like people like emerge again like more like corpsey things like come to grab them and are just like i was like oh no you're not safe anywhere Mm -hmm. um so denise and jerry are in that well and like looks like they're about to be devoured by all these people emerging from the mud in the well it's so gross 
Uh, and the, some of these monsters take Jerry and uh, Denise is able to wander away and, and, and she wanders onto the road and finds Sid Haig and you go, oh, yay, she found somebody. He's going to help her and take her back. But no, of course, he is actually part of the family and part of the scheme. And now it's just going to take her right on back. To where she was um, well she went through like a hallway of corpses and stuff too and through the tunnel and she sees the, the all the operations happening and stuff too and mm-hmm. a lot of stuff happens for her and it's not good <laughs> no she already looks broken and she's not done yet yeah uh, marion meanwhile had had an, an attack by baby in a graveyard and they have this uh huge sacrificial setup that they're going on this is their yeah, halloween like party halloween like satan ritual yeah but to sacrifice some bodies. So they, they try to, you know, do this thing when this whole thing, um, Denise is underground through these like catacombs and, um, you know, is, and, and, you know, she eventually uh, sees all these people being modified and sees Dr. Satan at work. And Aunt this Jerry. is disgusting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. But uh, the Dr. Satan apparatus is really cool. He's got like a weird exoskeleton metal thing going on uh and there's also uh giant robot soldiers with axe like this movie rob zombie doesn't give a fuck man he's going all over the place like you're just like okay it's a little mad max in this moment to me like the way like dr satan looks and stuff too it's giving me that like vibe because he's got like the breathing thing that he needs and all that kind of stuff too it looks very much like they're out of water (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know like giving me that mad max vibe um and then but um and this is just where all, all the cylinders are going because it's just like gross, gross. And then can we get grosser? And you're like, mm-hmm. I didn't think it was going to get gross. And then all of a sudden it just does, you know, like just like the implements on people and like mm-hmm. faces being the weirdly modified faces. And then the henchman that chases her down through the catacombs who, you know, basically it seems like he has some little semblance of kindness in the, in him. Um, because he's been modified, but he's also still got a little bit of heart, maybe, and like pulls off his breathing thing and like goo ushes out of his mouth as she like ends up climbing out of there. And this is again where she gets picked up and uh does her final yeah, her final final girl walking, broken, destroyed, and twanged. Uh, and Captain Spaulding is there. Otis is in the backseat waiting for her. She's never gonna get away. It was all a ploy. She's dead and and you know the family just has had their fun like this is exactly what they wanted to do to celebrate halloween and they got what they wanted and then we get a little brick house on the way out and that's mm-hmm. it that's holy it holy goodness um so it's interesting i i'm still not clear on how i feel about rob zombie i've seen three of his films and i really appreciate his aesthetic and i really appreciate his horror hound stuff coming through that it's so clear that he loves what he's doing um, but they, I don't know. There's something about it that doesn't quite click for me and I can't really put my finger on what it is. I don't know if it's that meanness I was talking about where it just uh-huh. feels very cruel. Um, and I think, move, you know, and I appreciate you like a like lot that. of cruel stuff that I usually do. ends I mean, where I'm, you love an ending where it's like this too, where it's like, yes. you think it's good and you're like, nah, like, you're no, you're still fucked. It's never going to be good for oh, you. Yeah. So sorry. Bye. Downbeat endings are my fucking favorite. And yeah. you know, and, you look at something like Texas Chainsaw or or Last House and Left, and those are brutal as fuck. Yeah, um, yeah, that's how I feel. All right, all right. Well, here we are. Let's. You want to do some gore factor and stuff? I would be so delighted. Uh, I don't. I, I feel like people probably already know. <laughs> I think you might be able to guess, but I'm going to read them off just because this is what we do. One, not enough blood to fill a Dixie cup. Two, a puddle of blood. Three, not a blood. Uh, Three always gets me. Enough blood to gross out the average viewer. Four is a bathtub of blood. Five is run for the barf bag. And this is definitely a five. This is gore 
fucking tastic. If you want some gore on top of your gore, Rob Zombies is your man. Yeah, he's the, there's there's they're not skipping around when it comes to the gore factor on this one for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, movie ratings: one to five chainsaws. One if you're desperate. Two really qualifies as a horror film. Three seen worse, seen better. Four not too shabby. Five fantastic oracle. I give this one four. I thought it was not too shabby. Um, it's brutal, mind you, and really intense. Um, but also like I just like that opening. I think that's what got me was just like mm-hmm. that little haunted mansion ride thing and like Captain Spaulding like coming back in and like. Just the um, them trying to them doing everything that they can to try to get out. And I was just like, you guys, your curiosity. Yeah. Gotcha. Sure. And I'm um, so sorry, I, kids. I, I get sometimes, <laughs> sometimes and, just go home. <laughs> well, and this, you know, this is, you know, the podcast, our, our goal is how do you survive a horror movie? And it's hard right. because I feel like if you and I want a road trip, we saw Captain Spaulding's. I would kind of want to go. And if there was a murder train, I'd kind of want to get on it. But then if you're going to say, how do you survive this film? It's clearly don't go. Just get your gas and, and leave. Right? Yeah, like, you don't want to give them anything else. And also, like, you can go on the murder ride, but don't ask for a map to the murder after. Right. Like, that's like. Is that is that where the line is drawn? I was like, you're okay to go on. But I think the trap was already set. Oh, yeah. I think I think, I think them choosing that gas station, it was already too late. Do you know what I mean? They're like. They, so how do, you, how do you survive then? Um, you go to one, a gas station that doesn't look like Captain Spaulding's. I okay. think you just got to go to the brand name places. Sorry for the mom and pop shops out there, but I don't trust you. <laughs> In the middle of nowhere. I mean, mom and pop's fine if they look nice. Mom and pop where it looks like nobody has been there for 100 years and they are also eating fried chicken out of murder train. It's just a whole hodgepodge of nope. So I also give this movie a four. Um, you know, there's a sense of it being slightly derivative, but then there's also this spin of his own style. And I think it's got a very specific music video style, as you said, but I don't mind it. I feel like it serves this movie well. And I feel like it keeps the pace. Yeah, it does. It does. Uh, so uh, as far as clowns go, how does Captain Spaulding, is he a scary clown? He's not a scary clown. I think okay. the scariest clowns so far in our clown round were last week for killer clowns. Okay. Outer space, I think, were the creepiest ones because they didn't talk at all. Captain Spaulding is just like an asshole, and I feel like I've dealt with that guy at the bar, like mm-hmm. running karaoke. Like sure. I feel like <laughs> I feel like I know him. I feel like he's fine. I feel like you just have to just like give him his space and just let him be right and walk away. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Though, because you're sure. never going to win a fight with a Captain Spaulding. No, but the thing that I like about his character is that he 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 acts exactly the same with everybody. Right. Yeah. He's like the robbers. He acts the same as them, as the cops, as the kids. Like they're like he's just him. That's just him for everybody. Cops don't fucking care. Uh, so I think that that's there's something I kind of enjoy. Yeah, he doesn't like anybody. Spaulding. No, he doesn't. He's an equal opportunity hater. And we love an equal opportunity hater. A curmudgeon through and through. I mean, it would honestly make more sense to have baby run the run the gas station. Right. If you're really trying to honey trap and lure people in, like she would be so much better at it than he is. Yeah, but they wouldn't stop and give uh, Captain Spaulding a ride true that's very true no if you see captain spaulding on the side of the road do not pick that horror movies have a good tip if you see somebody in a clown suit sorry to people who work clowns like if your car breaks down out there but please don't give them a ride because hell no hell to the yeah, you're gonna have to find another way out clown people so sorry Uber, lift these are my change out of your costume before you leave okay yeah uh- <laughs> wipe your face off so next week will be the last movie in our clown round this is a movie that i also have not seen what? i only i have only seen the image of the clown which looks amazing and terrifying which is apropos because the movie is terrifier 
Yeah. Oh my God, Julia. This is the one that's I'm most afraid of. So that's probably why we have it last. Okay. Um, truly scared. Uh, All right. The poster I... scares me. I already can tell from the poster. I'm guessing. Like just looking at the poster, it's going to be a five. Just because the teeth are scary. Like everything yeah. about it. I, I look at it. It haunts me. Cannot wait to watch this with you and talk about it. So join us next week, you guys. In the meantime, in between time, you can check us out on the internet, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, Patreon, Teespring, um, all kinds of ways to support our little independent show that could. Oh, my God. I can't believe we're just we're still doing this, Julia. It's been years, years and years of our lives. I hope you guys appreciate it and enjoy it. If you do, um, uh, you can uh, support us, talk with us at any of those outlets. Uh, You have a wonderful week and we'll see you next week for Terrifier. You can't spell terrifier without Terry. Terry. (laughs) We'll see you then, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening. Horror Movie Survival Guide is independently produced by Terry Gamble, Julia Marchesi, and Sierra Ryan. Hey, that's me. If you would like to support the show, find us on patreon.com slash horror movie survival guide.